you give him a round of applause? Let him know you appreciate him tonight. Praise the Lord, church. Can we lift our voices and our hands to the Lord and give that praise to God right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we've come into your house tonight, God. God, I'm so thankful to be in your house on a Wednesday night and give you praise and glory tonight. Oh, come on, church. Take a little bit of time to lift him up. Has he not been great to you? Has he not been good in your times of trials? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. I am incredibly thankful and humbled for the opportunity to be able to speak to you tonight. I want to give thanks to my pastor for giving me the opportunity to speak to you tonight. I want to go as quickly as I can to also give Brother Tommy Conathy his time. Is anybody excited to hear Brother Tommy tonight? Praise the Lord. If you would please turn to me to the book of Psalms 13, 1 through 6, and I'll also be reading from Psalms 31 and 12. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart daily, how long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider me, O Lord, my God. Listen mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him and those that have troubled me. Rejoice when I am moved, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dwelt bountifully with me. Also speaking in Psalms 31 and 12. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. Tonight I want to speak to you on this subject. Broken prayers. Oftentimes when you hear a minister speak on a particular subject. It is something that the Lord has either brought him through or is currently bringing him through. I can tell you tonight that there have been many times in my life that I've prayed the exact prayer to God. God, have you forgotten about me? God, do you hear what I'm going through? God, do you see how long I have been waiting? I know that there are times where it feels like God has left you. But I've come to tell you tonight that your brokenness is not in vain. Embrace the brokenness that you feel and praise him through it. There is so much power in a broken prayer because we are at our weakest. He is at our strongest. Your brokenness is for a purpose. And you will see the results of God's hands in your life soon. He is the potter and we are the clay. When we are broken, he takes us into his hands and he starts mending us back together. Tonight, I want to introduce you to a form of pottery known as kintsuchi. Kintsuchi, I'm sorry, you may be seated. I apologize. Newbie, sorry. (laughs) Kintsuchi uses gold to fix and mend a broken piece of pottery. It is a beautiful form of art, and it shows the brokenness of the vessel. It is a form of art that preserves the history of the vessel, but does not hide the brokenness and the scars that once was there. It displays the damage for all to see. I don't ever want to hide my brokenness from anyone because my brokenness comes with a story. It comes with a victory down the road and it allows me to tell others about my story. I so much enjoyed hearing the stories of our elders a few Sundays back and how God kept them through all the trials in their lives. Yes, there were times where they were broken and there were scars of the past there. 
But in every story, God was there. He stepped in and mended. Jesus mends with his blood. He mends with the blood that he shed at Calvary. There is power and authority in his blood. When his blood starts to flow over you, he starts to mend and to put back together those things that are broken. And when God has finished us, if we can look like this, we can look and see that there are scars there. There was brokenness once there. but We can also see who was in repair. It was Jesus who took you into his hands, and he is in repair. Wait is a word that none of us in this room like to hear. It is the hardest word to hear. It can also leave the biggest scars in our lives. When you have been waiting for so long for God to move on an answered prayer. God, how long do I have to wait? Our flesh burns for you. But I can tell you tonight that all he is doing is preparing you for the journey that he is going to take you on. There is a process and a power to the waiting. But they that wait on the Lord shall. This is not a might. This is not a maybe. You shall renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Your waiting is preparing you for the journey and strengthening you for the purpose that God has in your life. And when you come out of your brokenness, you will see God's hand in your life. I want to again tell somebody tonight that your brokenness is not in vain. It is for a purpose. It is to tell your story to those who need to hear it. It is to those to give a testimony of how good he has been through your brokenness. Brokenness is a journey. The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led to a place of brokenness to prepare him for the journey and for the purpose and the calling that God had on his life. Forty days of no food and water in the wilderness. You know there was days where his body was hurting. He was fully man and he was fully God. He did feel hunger and he did feel thirst. But even though he was hurting, he was preparing himself for the path that God has called him to. We should be saying thank you God every day we feel a sense of brokenness. Because that means God is on the move and he is working in your life. He called Noah to build an ark. Noah spent years building this ark. He worked on it with a broken body at 600 years old, if you can imagine. With limited tools. He was laughed at and chastised. He was wondering probably down the road, God, am I really hearing from you? God, am I really doing what you've called me to do? I don't see the promise there. I don't see the rain that you promised. Am I still working for what you called me to do? And I can only imagine that one day he looked out on the horizon and he saw a cloud starting to form and there was a sense of relief to say, God, thank you for allowing me to be prepared for what you have called me to be. And the rain started to fall and his family was kept because he listened to the Lord. All those days and months Of traveling on an ark, you can only imagine what it would be like to travel with your family and with all those animals and having to keep the upkeep. But finally he came to rest. Finally he was able to get another promise from the Lord for all eternity. 
It was a promise made to all mankind to every time you see a rainbow, remember the covenant that God had made that he'll never do that again. Abraham had another calling on his life. He was told to leave the house of his father and go to a land that God had prepared for him. We know the story of him receiving the promise of a son, Isaac. He even went so far as trying to make the promise happen himself. But it didn't work. He was cursed and his, his people was cursed for years. Don't get so caught up and trying to make the promise happen yourself that you forget who is working on the promise that he gave you. He is working towards your promise, and he was working for, for you. His word is forever. And if he said it, you better believe it's going to happen. Then he receives the promise that he's waited so long for, his son Isaac. And then God tells him, give him back to me. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, can you let... Imagine the level of brokenness that went through his mind. God, I finally obtained the promise that you've given me, and you're asking me to destroy it and give it back to you. How could you ask me to do such a thing? What would we do today if God gave you a promise that you'd waited so long for and then told you to give it back to him? Would we do the same thing? He went as far as taking his son up to the mountain. He went as far as putting his son on the altar. He even went as far as to raise his hands in, all, in brokenness and begin to strike. But because of his faithfulness and his dedication, he was blessed by God. Moses was another one that took many journeys throughout his life. We can say that he, his mother sent him down the river in a basket. Can we stop and acknowledge the faith of a mother to put her son in a basket, and send them down the river? Can we just think about that for a second? God, I put my child completely in your hands. I know there's going to be a level of brokenness and sorrow for my pain of not knowing where my child's going to end up in that separation. But yet, she trusted in the Lord. She put her child in God's hands. And what happens is Moses falls into the hands of the Egyptians. He's raised as a prince of Egypt with a full belly and clothed every night. He was never supposed to make it past an infant, but now he's living as a prince. Her reward was she still got to have that embrace of a son. She was able to watch Moses grow up, and she was able to nurse and care for him. Then Moses takes a journey. We know as he kills an Egyptian. He flees Egypt to try to save his life. He travels through the wilderness to a point to almost he dies, but he finds a well, and also he finds his true calling. God calls him to a bush, and he says, Moses, go and tell my people. You know there was some level of brokenness on that journey, but he finally heard the true calling. The man that was never supposed to reach got to put his feet on holy ground. He got to hear from the word of the Lord. He also goes back to Egypt. He begins to ask for their release from Pharaoh. He goes back waiting, waiting, waiting. And finally Pharaoh takes him and allows him to leave. He makes them journey through the wilderness time and time again, waiting on this promise 
Yes, he may have made a mistake. He may have made the fatal mistake of not being able to enter into the promised land. But he still fulfilled his calling. He still brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He still led them to the Holy Land. God never said that life would be easy. He never said that life would be easy. But there cannot be a battle. Or there cannot be a victory without a battle. And there cannot be a miracle without a trial. Amen. Don't forget the God that you serve. God told Moses, I am. He is all that you can ask or think. He is everything that you need. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Nisi. His name is Jesus. And he sets you free. He bonds you together. And we are witnesses of that faith. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43 and 10 through 13 says, You are my witness, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall he be after me. I am, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no other. I have declared and I have saved, and I have shown when there was no strange God around you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. There is none that can deliver you out of the hand. I will work. And who shall let it? Your brokenness is a witness to to others around you. As you pray in your brokenness, you unleash the full power of God in your life. When Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, the Bible says that they were stripped, beaten, and whipped. The message translation says they were beaten black and blue for doing the Lord's work. Can we imagine that? How many of us can come into the house of the Lord black and blue and say, God, I thank you. God, I'm going to praise you through this. Yeah, I'm doing the Lord's work. But two men, naked and beaten, began to lift up their voices. They began to worship him in their time of brokenness and it shook the foundations of a jail cell. There's power in a broken prayer. There's freedom in a broken prayer. And there's victory in a broken prayer. Amen. What would happen today if the church bought into this mindset? What would we accomplish? What would we shake loose if we just got a hold of this and praise them through our brokenness? What could we shake loose from our life if we just embraced the brokenness and prayed them through? Pray, pray them through it. And I'm coming to a close. The singers can come up. Don't get so, so cons- sorry. Excuse me. Don't get so discouraged by the journey that God takes you on. Keep working. Keep moving. Keep going forward because you don't know how close you are to your treasure. Oh, there is such a powerful image of how people. Turn back. They get so close to their treasure. They see the work that they've put in. They've seen the time that they've put in. But yet, because they don't see that treasure, they turn back. How many of us do this? Where we've been waiting for so long for God to move on something that we give up on it, but we're right there. Don't give up. You're right there. David said, I have been young and now I am old. Yet, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. There was a revelation in David's life. Yes, there were scars. Yes, there was some brokenness along the way. But God was the constant in everything that he did. Amen.
just want to tell somebody tonight that God has not left you. He will never leave you. He is forming you into what he wants you to be. The waiting that you are going through is preparing you for the story to tell others of their brokenness, how God kept you through it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We'd like to ask at this time, Brother Thomas McConathy, to come and bring the word of the Lord. Would you welcome him tonight and get with him as he delivers the word of God? Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Amen. Well, praise God, church. Praise God. Uh, I want to join with Ryan and just say how thankful I am to my pastor and Landon and I look up to you guys like you will never know, and uh, you guys are just the real deal. Whenever I think about real Christians, I think about y'all, and your leadership has done wonders for my family. And Ryan, I just want to say, great job, man. What a great word. I mean, because that is so real. Because it's in the, those broken moments that it's so easy for us to throw in the towel and walk away. But I like what Brother Buddy told me one time at our Bible study. You got to have a made up mind. Whenever you have a made up mind, it makes it all the better. It makes it so much easier. And whenever you push past that broken moment and you finally see what God was trying to do, it's all worth it. Amen, amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 6, and verse 20. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And tonight I want to talk to you about the subject, shout for the city. Shout for the city. Father God, I ask right now that you would touch my heart and mind. God, that you would get me out of the way so that you could help somebody tonight, that you would speak through me right now. God, that you would bless your people, that you would set your word on fire. And God, that you would birth a hunger in us, oh God, to advance your kingdom, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Thank you. God bless you. The city of Jericho, the first conquest of Canaan, one of Israel's greatest victories. But just like any successful mission, it was not without planning. So as we rewind a little bit, we're going to end up in Joshua chapter 2. And we're going to see Israel's new leader, Joshua, telling two men to go and to spy out the city. He says, I want you to do a little recon. If you want to defeat your enemy, it's best to get a little intel first. So he sends these two spies. He says, hey... I want you to sneak into the city. 
I want you to see what you can find out, get some information, and I want you to report back to me. And so these men go, and they end up in the house of one Rahab, a harlot. But somewhere between the point of them entering the city and entering Rahab's house, they're spotted by the watchmen of the city. And they come knocking on Rahab's front door. And so she hurries and hides these men on her roof under a pile of linen. And she rushes to answer the door to deal with the watchman. Now Rahab is what I like to call a smooth operator. She has what you call a silver tongue. So these guys are like, where are the two men that came into your house? Send them out immediately. They're spies. And Rahab's like, oh my gosh, really? I had no idea. Thank God you're here. They just left. They went that way. If you hurry and pursue them, you'll certainly overtake them. Hurry, go, go, go. And so they take off. But Rahab goes back upstairs and she starts talking to these two men that are spying out the city and listens to what she tells them in Joshua 2, starting with verse 9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. In essence, what she's telling these two men is I want to be saved. And I want my family to be saved. I'm afraid of what's coming. Everybody's talking about it and the streets are filled with fear. But if you'll just have mercy on me, I'll do whatever it takes to be saved. And these men respond to Rahab and they said, our life for yours. Who does that sound like? Jesus said, I'll give my life so that you can have life. And so they make this oath with Rahab, and they began giving her some specific instructions. Because being saved requires more than just confessing, I want to be saved, but a willingness to do whatever the word instructs us to do. And so they grab this scarlet thread, and they secure it to Rahab's window, and they tell her, listen, you keep the scarlet thread connected to your house, so that whenever we come back for the city... We know not to attack this house. And they said, now you make sure that your father and your mother and your brothers and your sisters and all your household are in this house when we come back. But if for any reason they leave the house and go out into the street, their blood shall be upon their own heads. But as long as everyone's in the house, their blood shall be upon our heads. If any hand be upon him. Church family, if we want to escape the judgment that's about to fall on this world, we have to stay in the house. Don't go wandering in the streets of the world because you may not make it home. And as long as we stay in his house 
under his blood, we shall see the salvation of the Lord. And that's what's significant about the scarlet thread that's mentioned here. The scarlet thread symbolized deliverance and covenant and later came to represent the blood of Jesus Christ that brings salvation to a lost and condemned world. So Rahab agrees to the terms and she says, according to your word, so be it. And so the spies descended down the thread and escaped the city and they returned to Joshua and they told him, truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land. And so now it's time to get ready for a fight. How many of you know when you became a Christian, you stepped onto a spiritual battlefield? You put a crosshair on your back because the enemy doesn't like what we stand for. And the world doesn't like what we stand for because the world loves sin. And it's not that sin is something we don't struggle with. We all struggle with sin. But whenever you get a hold of Jesus and whenever you experience that greater life, that, that life that is so much more abundant than the life of this world. There's nothing like it. But when God begins to move you into new places in him, it's as the saying goes, new levels, new devils. But the good news about the devil and all his minions is they've already lost. They know they've been defeated and their time's running out. So they're throwing a tipper tantrum trying to trip us up as much as they can. But it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. And so the children of Israel are getting ready to move towards Jericho. And chapters 3, 4, and 5 gives us all these details and lists that they go through before they could fully lay claim to their new promised land. But for the sake of time, I'm only going to mention a few. The first thing they had to do was they had to cross the Jordan River. They had to go through the water. The Bible says the priests were commanded to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the literal presence of God, into the river. And as soon as their feet hit the water, the waters of the Jordan began to push back so that the priests were standing on dry ground. And they were commanded to stand there until all the people had passed over Jordan. And the Bible says in Joshua 4.19, And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. According to Exodus chapter 12, the tenth day of the first month marked the beginning of Passover. On the holy calendar, the Passover and entrance into the promised land are celebrated on the same day. One of the next important things they had to do is they had to be circumcised. The previous generation before them had failed so bad that God said they weren't even allowed to enter the promised land. And they didn't even circumcise their own kids. And so what's the big deal with circumcision, you might ask? Well, when God made a covenant with Abraham and promised to make him a great nation, the only stipulation was every male had to be circumcised. So if Israel wanted to possess Abraham's covenant, circumcision had to occur immediately. And the Bible says immediately after they were circumcised in verse 9 of chapter 5, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. When he says that word rolled away, it's a word play on Gilgal. And it generally refers to the rolling away of a stone. 
In this promised land, in the in this passage, the Passover, the circumcision, and entry into the promised land are tied together as rolling away the reproach of Egypt. In the New Testament, the stone is rolled away from Jesus' tomb, and our reproach is rolled away because of his precious blood. This is just another reason that I believe baptism, our spiritual circumcision, is so important and absolutely necessary for salvation. Peter said it like this, 1 Peter 3, 21, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to have a good conscience towards God. I want to have a clean conscience towards God. Hallelujah. And that's what God is trying to do to the Israelites here. He is trying to get them to a place spiritually where they're prepared to enter the land that God has promised them. And church, if we're going to reach the cities around us, we need to make sure that we've done what God has required of us. And that we're, we need to be spiritually in our journey with him in order to be prepared for the ones that are coming in. And so now finally, the Israelites are approaching Jericho. And right before entering the city, it says in Joshua 5.13, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, and there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he kind of looked at Joshua and said, That's cute. (laughs) If I wasn't for you, we wouldn't be having this conversation. (laughs) He said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. The captain's response, let us know that God is no respecter of persons, but he's a respecter of covenant. He fought for God, not for Joshua. If Joshua kept covenant with God, he could count on reaping the benefits of the captain's efforts. And so now... It's time to take the city. And the Lord began telling Joshua what he needs to do. He said the first thing he tells him to do is to call the priest. Have them take up the Ark of the Covenant. And I want seven other priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns to go before the Ark of the Lord. And I want the men that are armed to go before them and behind them. If we're going to take this city, we're going to need some preachers. We're going to need some Mark Hughes's and some Landon Long's and some Brother James's. Amen. And he said, and he said, I want men that are armed in front of them and behind them, which means we're going to need some Brother Clyde's and some Brother Randy's and some Brother Dwayne's and some Brother TJ's. Huh? All these great men that we have here at Greater Life that are armed with the word of God. He said, I want you to compass the city once a day for the first six days. But on the seventh day, you're to compass the city seven times. It's possible that the seven days here could be a shadow 
of the seven-day creation, indicating that God was getting ready to do a new thing with his people in their new promised land. And it says, Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I bid you shout. And so the Israelites do this for seven days, marching around the city, not saying one word. The only sound you can hear is the trumpets being blown by the priest. These are the same trumpets that were used in Exodus 19 at Mount Sinai that terrified the people of Israel. And now they're using it to melt the hearts of their enemies inside the city walls. You think about the fear that was going on inside of Jericho. The Bible says that their hearts melted and their spirit was no longer in them because of the people of Israel. They had the city sealed up so tight They weren't letting anybody out. They weren't letting anybody in because they were terrified of what was coming. And now all they can hear is this army marching around the city. And all you can hear is that ram's horn blowing every now and then. Imagine the fear that filled these people. But church, there's coming a day soon when we're going to hear another trumpet sound. And when the world hears it, their hearts too will melt with fear. Because they will know that God's judgment is about to fall on this world. But thank God for Jesus and making a way of escape for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are worthy. Nobody like Jesus. And it says in Joshua 6, verse 16. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout. For the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed, when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Joshua told Israel, don't touch their stuff. Whenever you get in there, you don't touch their stuff. The city's been declared accursed, literally worthless is what that word means in the eyes of God. Archaeologists of recent time have discovered in the process of excavating the city these very large storage containers that are full of grain that had been harvested shortly before the fall of the city. And this supports what the Bible says in chapter 3, that it was at the time of harvest when they took the city. But it also suggests that the Israelites were obedient when taking the city. They didn't touch nothing. They had been eating the same thing for the last 40 years in the wilderness. Some fresh grain probably looked and sounded pretty good right now. It would have been easy for them to take some of that food for themselves. I mean, what's the big deal, right? It's just a little bit of food. It ain't hurting nobody. And one of the detriments of Christianity today is people think they have to become like the world in order to win the world. And it will never work. You don't have to sit down and drink a six-pack with an alcoholic in order to win an alcoholic. The gospel works all by itself. Hallelujah. The gospel works. Hallelujah. But unfortunately, there was one man in the camp of Israel who had this mentality. 
a man named Achan. You know the story. In the midst of rummaging through the city, he notices 200 pieces of silver, a wedge of gold, and a beautiful Babylonian robe. And the Bible says that he coveted them, and he took them, and he hid them in his tent. And because of one man's sin, 36 men died at the battle of Ai in the very next chapter. And when Joshua had found out what Achan had done and confronted him, he said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And they brought out his sons and daughters and all that he had, his livestock, and they stoned them and they burned them with fire. And if we could see the effects of our decisions in the spirit world beforehand, we would make a lot better decisions. Sometimes we may think something's not a big deal, but our kids, their lives are on the line too. And what we do affects them. Achan was a true Israelite, born into the tribe of Judah, the same tribe as Jesus, been in church his whole life. But it goes to show you that God truly is no respecter of persons. But we all have an obligation to stay in covenant with him. And even though we all fall short and we all struggle and we all stumble, God is merciful. The Bible says that we can come to his throne in time of need and receive mercy because God is gracious. But it's whenever we develop a spirit of pride and a spirit of rebellion and we think to ourselves, I've been in my church my whole life. Uh, this ain't going to hurt nothing. I, I'm entitled to a little freedom. I mean, I've been, I've been good for a long time. But it's then that we begin to line ourselves up with God's judgment because we begin to turn away from his grace. We cannot take for granted the grace of God. But I'm not going to end it on a sad note. Look what it says in verse 25 of chapter 6. And Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive, and her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Church, we're about to have some Rahabs come through this church. We're about to have some gangbangers come through this church. We're going to have some people that don't look like us. They don't think like us. They, they don't believe like us. But God's going to bring them in here. So all I'm trying to tell you is there's a city right outside these walls. And it is the will of God. That we take that city and that we have a great revival and that we win as many people to Jesus Christ as we possibly can. Oh, hallelujah. The most important thing in the mission of the church is souls. That is our heartbeat. We have to be able to reach souls. We got to be able to be willing to sit down and teach somebody a Bible study. We got to be willing to be patient with people that all they want to do is debate and argue with you. But we keep showing them the love of God and we keep being faithful. God will give us the city. He will give us Webster and League City and Dickinson and Alvin and Santa Fe and Friendswood and every surrounding city around here. 
because that's what God wants to do. He wants people to be saved and he wants us to play a part in it. How many of you want to be soul winners? I want to be a soul winner. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Say shout for the city. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your time tonight. Amen. Can we stand all over this house tonight? Amen. Thank you, Brother Thomas, for that wonderful word. Shout for the city. Amen. Brother Ryan, Peden, both of you guys, I'm so proud of each of you. I know your parents are ecstatic right now. And this church is proud of you both. Amen. This church is proud of you both. Amen. There is a world out there that is lost and they are coming. Amen. The darker the night, the brighter the light. I remember Brother Tony, he's not here tonight, but when he came in, he wanted to be baptized. He he just came in so hungry and he, he grabbed, I think, Brother Trey Gressett and asked, Hey, can I talk to somebody about being baptized? I just, you know, and so... They grabbed me and brought me into the prayer room. And uh, I mean, I, I can't even get words out because he's just, I, I, I've just, I, I feel so guilty. I'm ready to get away from this life. I want God to do something for me. I want to, you know, and he's just already so repentant. He was already there. He was already so hungry. And he said, I just, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized today before I leave. And I mean, he just was so, it, it was adamant. It was happening. So we went and got him ready and baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, he was speaking in tongues. And God had filled him with the Holy Ghost. And even after he dried off and we came back into the prayer room, he was still just weeping. And he said, I've been to so many churches just just wanting to be baptized. Just want, I just want to be saved. He said, and they were, well, you need to go do this first and you need to go see this person and go to this class. And we want you to sit through this many courses and talk to this many people at our church and be here a few Sundays. And he said, it was all of these hoops that I had to jump through. He said, I just wanted to be saved. Amen. And there's more people like that that are coming. Amen. That just want to be saved. Amen. And we've got to start shouting for the city. Amen. To shout when they don't have a shout. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I thank you for your faithfulness. In closing tonight, can we just lift our hands up all over this house. And thank God for the words that we have heard tonight. God, we love you. We thank you so much, God, for these two wonderful young men. God, that brought the word tonight. They brought your word. God, that has fallen on the ears of your people. God, now I pray that we would receive every word that was spoken. God, that it would challenge us, oh God. God, that it would put purpose back in our heart. God, that we would see, God, the beauty of our brokenness. God, that we would understand it's because of that brokenness, God, that we are even able to be here today. 
because you were able to pick up the pieces of our broken life and put us back together and make us again a new vessel that could be honorable for your use. God, and I pray that in us there would be a shout for our city, a shout for those in our neighborhood. God, that we would come, Lord, to help them. God, to see lost souls that are saved so that someday we may see another city, amen, where that lamb is the light. And we thank you and we give you glory and honor and praise tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. Praise God. Praise God. Love somebody tonight. Amen. Go stop by Brother Ryan and Brother Thomas and tell them what a wonderful job that they did. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord this evening.